Hey, welcome to Sign of the Crime podcast. This is Remy Ramirez. And you are? This is Q McGrath. Q McGrath. What Bill. Up? Bill Q McGrath. And uh, this week, we are fucking talking about Eileen Warnos, who has mesmerized me for many, many years. So I couldn't be more You wrote excited. that poem, didn't you? About, yeah. Um, yeah, I remembered that when I was doing this research. I was like, I remember Remy wrote something that was awesome. Well, thank you. I wrote this poem about Eileen Warnos in grad school, um, kind of being like, yeah, girl, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, she's kind of having that moment. Well, it's, yeah. you know, where it's kind of having that moment where I was talking to someone about the fact that I was looking at, at Eileen Warnos and the universal response I got from women was like, we did her dirty. <laughs> like, well, okay. Um, I, I honestly, if I pull back and think about Eileen Warnos, I have mixed feelings. It's obviously it's easy. Well, we'll get into it. I don't want to spoil too much, but I have mixed feelings about it, but also her chart is pretty fucking wild. And anyway, we'll get into it. But first, before we do a couple, um, clerical issues, one, I just wanted to point out, cause we didn't say this last time we were kind of like, Whoa, we're starting a podcast, but, um, number one is we are every other week. So if you were like, why the fuck didn't we get a podcast from you guys last week? Uh, that is why both of our friends who are listening to this are like, um, excuse me, all two of you. <laughs> all um, two of you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, wait, I feel like my mic just took a shit. I don't know. Anyway. And the other thing is, um, I wanted to give a shout out to, to, um, really amazing, um, friends of ours who stepped in and like, just were so like, okay, first Bernadette Torres, who I have been friends with since the Amazing. fucking grade, uh, made our logo Seriously, we, pictures of you guys on like a baseball team when you were eight together. It's awesome. Okay, well, she was never on my baseball team, but Bernadette Torres and I have been friends like literally since I was eight or nine years old. So shout out to, to Bernadette for bringing our logo vision to life. There. What? Like I have pictures of something where a uniform was involved. That was Valerie. Shout out to Valerie. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. And also want to fucking shout out Tim Wright, who uh, is a musician and my friend. And oh, I, he like came to, he was driving through Arizona and he stopped to visit me. And I was like, I'm starting a podcast. And he was like, cool, I'll make the theme. And I was like, okay. And I was like, uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of like Unsolved Mysteries vibes. And he sent me this track, which is our intro. And I was like, what? It's Amazing. Like, so so yeah, so wanted to shout out both of them. And I love that when you say like the unsolved mysteries themes, like the older millennials and Gen Xers, like we automatically know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Forever. In my head forever. Forever. Absolutely. Hi, Clover. Yeah, I know. My kitty. Kitten kitty clover. Kitty Clover, who's decided he's like, well, this is my podcast too now. You know what? It is Clover's podcast, but, but you wanted to, uh, Oh yes. We're going to start a little segment that I imagine will be regular called mistakes were made, um, because I'm going to make them. (laughs) And I did. Uh, so here's what happened. Um, one thing that I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, mention is that Martha Moxley's mother is not dead. Uh, I just, let let me put this this way. Like I can think in the shower, like, Oh, I need to buy Christmas presents for my kids. 
And my computer and my phone will start showing me Christmas presents for my kids literally within the hour. But I will spend all day on my computer researching Martha Moxley and then put in, you know, a mother of Martha Moxley and Dorothy Moxley and get information about her. And they will be like, oh, you mean this Dorothy Moxley who lives in like this state and has absolutely nothing to do with what you've been researching for hours? Here you go. And that's on me. I should have double checked. Martha Um, Moxley in fucking Canada? Yeah. Yeah. Martha Moxley, Martha J. Moxley. We know her well. Uh, She died recently. And I, and the thing was that the dates actually kind of lined up. Like when I looked at it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, it's relatively recent. Um, condolences to the Martha Moxley. <laughs> did, uh, no, I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the Moxley Dorothy clan. Moxley did die. Um, but Dorothy Moxley, from what I understand, is still alive. <laughs> so happy to hear that. Good for Mistake, you. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. And also um, the Elon school was not where Paris Hilton went. She went to some fucked up school in Provo, Utah. Apparently, there are a lot of these. <laughs> Apparently, they've been really thriving. Well, fuck. Time. So that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but in the name of accuracy, I'm, I'm going to break your spirit and tell you that that's happening. So, okay. Well, now we know. Now we know. But moving on, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Eileen Warehouse today. Die right in, baby. Yeah. So uh, speaking of breaking your spirit. Okay. Really? Yeah. You grab some Kleenex. So she was born Eileen Pittman on February 29th, 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. She is a Pisces. Um, everything I looked at, they started with things like she had a troubled home life and babe, that ain't the half of it. Oh my God. Um, her parents were Diane Wernos and Leo Dale Pittman 14 and respectively 16 at the time of marriage. She had an older brother, Keith, who was born in 1955. Uh, So that means (laughs) I believe that Diane had Eileen at, I want to say, 16, which means she probably had Keith at at 15. Yeah, Uh, baby, baby. Yeah, babies marrying babies. Um, She never met her father. He was a schizophrenic who was in jail when she was born, and he stayed in jail uh, when I believe he was in jail when he, he killed himself in jail in 1969 presumably it was a suicide by hanging you know i mean weird things happen in jail who knows but he had every reason to he was in there for life for raping a seven-year-old so yeah uh he was a schizophrenic as i said so diane who kind of decided parenthood was not for her left her parents with her kids Lori and britta wernos in 1960 and believe it or not shit just got worse from there um there are reports that she was physically and possibly sexually abused by her grandfather, Lori. Her grandmother was a raving alcoholic. Uh, she was trading sexual favors for drugs by the age of 11. And then she got pregnant at 14. Uh, her parents, I'm sorry, her, well, her acting as her parents, her grandparents. Well, wait, 14, wait, 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 didn't she got pregnant because her grandfather's friend raped her. So there's a couple of different reports on this. Yes, that's one of the stories. Another one is that she was um, sexually experimenting with her brother. She's put that out there. But I don't know that you can take. First of all, it's just a thing that was that was said that she said. I, I don't have anything of her directly saying it. Okay. Um, either no matter what happened, it was bad. And Whatever was happened like, was fucked. Uh huh. And she was 14, so it's statutory rape, no matter how you look at it. She was yeah. a baby. She consented to that. But uh, she she ended up pregnant. She was sent to an unwed mother's home. She gave birth to a boy whom 
by the grace of God, she gave up for adoption. That was really the best case scenario there. And then she gets kicked out by her grandfather not long after that. Um, so right around that time, she drops out of high school. <laughs> Nothing shocking there. Yeah. And her grandmother dies of liver failure, pretty common with alcoholism. Sure. So she sets up camp in the woods near her home and she survives as a sex worker starting at about 15. And by the way, it's cold as fuck. She's like living outside mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some of, one of the coldest places in this whole fucking country. Well, yeah. And that might've occurred to her, which is why in 1976, she hits, hitchhikes to Florida. Yeah. That's well, I mean, Florida fuck, but also yeah. A little warmer, a little warmer there. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, Florida and Eileen Wernos, this makes sense to me. So she hitchhikes to Florida where she meets a man named Louis Gratz Fell, a 69 year old yacht club president who, and she's pretty young at this point. So she's born in 56. She's 20. So he thinks this is his lucky day. I I saw pictures actually. I saw, so they had their, um, their marriage printed in the society pages. And you know what? What what are, wait, wait, what are the society pages? Girl, um, (laughs) The society pages, like we had our marriage announced. <laughs> what? You and Michael? Michael and I had our in marriage. The society now. pages? In the society pages, yeah. It's like basically I don't I don't know this is not me. You realize this was his parents. They did it in the, the okay. paper. That makes here, more sense. This, yeah, absolutely. You know me. That's not really my deal. You're uh, like, but- can I wear jeans to my wedding? <laughs> From old navy? That was you. Do you remember when I asked Michael if we could use paper plates? <laughs> Oh my God. No, I don't you remember I'm... my wedding. It was gorgeous. And everybody was like, yeah, we know Q had nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I married an aesthetic. That's, that's a good thing. An aesthete. An aesthete. Yeah. That makes more sense. You also married an aesthetic. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. All right. So uh, where are we? So she hitchhikes to Florida. She meets this dude. He thinks that this is his lucky day and he marries her quick. Uh, and then he discovers that that was probably a mistake. She's mm. um, emotionally not in a great place, volatile. There are bar fights. She's arrested mm. and briefly jailed. And then she, after she gets out, she has some kind of a confrontation with Lewis. And there are differing accounts here. Um, there are accounts that she beat him with a cane, although she states later that it was him who beat her with a cane. Anyway, a cane was involved. People got beat. Uh, she throws a cue ball at a bartender's head. Fuck. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not great. And so within nine weeks, the marriage is dissolved. And that was really kind of probably her last chance um, at setting up a life that wasn't going to go quickly spiraling down a drain. Straight to the shithole. Right into the shithole, because not long after that, her brother dies. And supposedly she's crushed. She worshipped him. But she does inherit $10,000 in life insurance, which she uses to pay a drunk driving fine. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And then buy a car, which she promptly crashes. Okay. So the rest of the money is spent on, you know, just basic other frivolities. Not great with money. I think it's safe to say. There are a series of suicide attempts, including a gunshot wound to the abdomen that landed her in the oh hospital in God. 1978. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the next 10 years are just more sex work, uh, unpredictable arrests. I mean, I'm sorry, predictable arrests for fairly minor offenses. Um, We're not getting into murder yet. Uh, Just theft, resisting arrest, obstruction of justice, the usual suspects uh, for someone whose life is in this kind of a downward spiral. 
One of these arrests, which is detailed in the Orlando Sentinel and the Chicago Tribune, um, recommend both those articles, occurred in 1981, and she described it to psychiatrists in jail this way. She, she's drunk. She enters a convenience store. She's sad. She's on a bunch of Librium, which is a benzodiazepine. What's, what, what's that? A benzodiazepine, like Valium. Okay. Okay. Next, downers. Okay. Uh, she's buying cigarettes, and it occurs to her that if she robs this liquor store and is arrested, her recently ex-boyfriend, who she had an argument with, if he comes to bail her out, then she's loved and she doesn't need to kill herself. Mm. So she robs the liquor store. She gets $61. She makes it exactly three blocks in her trash heap of a car and is immediately arrested. She spends three years in jail. And that's that's where it's believed that she has her first real experience with mental health experts. Uh, she tells them she's been raped and beaten at least a dozen times in her tenure as a sex worker. She's been drinking and using drugs since the early adolescence, 11, 12. Her grandfather killed himself. So like if we're keeping score, that's a father and a grandfather that completed suicide and a brother who's died of cancer. Mm. Uh, and she's attempted suicide at least six times. The experts say that she reveals that she is above average intelligence, but there is no indication of a thought disorder or of delusion delusions. So what is a thought disorder? Cause it yeah. sounds to me like thinking if I rob this fucking store and then like, maybe my boyfriend will love me. It's like kind of a thought disorder. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what qualifies as a thought disorder, but I do remember reading that and being like, do I have a thought disorder? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I've had some thought disorders. Really have some. I, and I mean, given, given what we're going through. Yeah. I feel like everyone is living in the middle of a thought disorder right now. Yeah. This pandemic is a, I mean, the pandemic yeah. itself is not a thought disorder. I'm not one of those, but no, 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 that shit's real. But I think it's all creating thought disorders in us. Yeah. We're swimming yeah. through thought disorders. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I guess all you can say about <laughs> the idea that she doesn't have a thought disorder or delusions is that when you're wrong, you're really wrong. Yeah. What the fuck? You need to go back uh, to school, sir. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were um, made. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1986, she's back in Florida and this is where she meets Tyria Moore or Tyra Moore. I, I heard it pronounced both ways, but she goes by Ty. So okay. that's what I'm going to call her. Okay. We'll do uh, a Ty. Yeah. Ty. She's a hotel maid. She meets her at a lesbian bar in Daytona Beach, and they immediately move in together. Lee, as she's going, that's what she goes by by then. She supports them with her earnings from sex work, which is getting harder because she's she's getting older, so her earning power is less and less. Um, they have a volatile relationship. There are arrests. There are violent incidents. Between the July, two of them? Yeah, between the two of them. There, okay. There's some domestic violence there. Okay. On July 4th, 1987, Daytona, Daytona Beach police detained Warnos and Moore at a bar for questioning regarding an incident in which they were accused of assault and battery with a beer bottle. Mm, sure. uh, on March 12th, 1988, Warnos accused a Daytona Beach bus driver of assault. Um, Ty is listed as a witness for that. And that's really kind of the end of um, her law stuff that that isn't murder. Um, she kind of escalated at that point. So I, I'm going to I'm going to go through the murders now. Okay. I'm going to go through the, the men that were killed. Um, I guess I'll call them killings because we don't really know what happened. Right. So the first one is Richard Mallory, and he is killed in November 1989. He was an electronics store owner in Clearwater, Florida. She claims that he raped, sodomized, and beat her, and she killed him in, in self-defense. This is what she claims. 
Um, two days later, his abandoned vehicles found and his body was found several miles away in a wooded area shot several times. There are two bullets in the lungs and those are the cause of death. So here's the deal with Richard Mallory. Um, he was definitely a sexually disturbed dude at some point in his life. In 1957, he entered a woman's house. He grabs her from behind, fondles her, and he tries to take her top off. He pleads not guilty by reason of insanity to an assault charge with intent to rape, and he is sentenced to four years in prison, but after a psychiatric evaluation, he spends 10 years in a prison mental institution where he is diagnosed with sociopathic tendencies. Oh, fuck. Um. Then we have David Andrew Spears. Wait, wait, let's T.O. Because, I mean, that's really important for a few reasons, but uh-huh. also because the one of the theories about Eileen Warnos going down this path is that Richard Mallory really genuinely tried to hurt her and that she was so traumatized by that, that it was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And afterwards she kind of went on this spree. So that's like one theory, but other people say, no, um, you know, she'd been doing sex work for a very long time and you know, she was used to whatever came, what, whatever came up, which I don't understand how you could get used to, uh, people trying to rape you. Rape. Yeah. It's like not really a thing. Um, but anyway, there are, there are, Richard Mallory is sort of like a hinge point and I'll get to that when I do my part, but it's like people, some people are like, maybe, you know, there is a very good chance that he really genuinely tried to hurt her. And, and after that, she was so, for whatever reason, so traumatized that every time that maybe the, the subsequent murder killings weren't actually men trying to hurt her, but because she was so traumatized, she thought that they were and she and she killed them so there's question marks around it, richard Mallory. there are a lot of question marks around that and you know um when i looked into this so there are psychiatrists who talk about how it's entirely possible that he did do something uh that, that they won't they won't say that we be, you know we believe richard mallory tried to rape her as far as they'll go is say maybe he did something that triggered um rape memories in her mm. Um, I guess, you know, that's one theory. Um, the thing about Richard Mallory is that, you know, it, this is, this is what 89, he, his, his initial issue with the intent to rape was in 57. That's a long time mm-hmm. to go. And we discussed this a little bit. That's a long time to go. I, I'm, I'm quite certain he saw sex workers in that time. Sure. Yeah. In fact, in fact, one thing is that he had been known to see lots of sex workers and, and his other, um, the other women that he frequented said that he was a lovely gentleman and a very good tipper. Although I don't really know, you know, well, and you know, the other thing is that like Eileen Mornos didn't kill every man that she, that used her for sex work, you know? So I, it's entirely likely that he didn't kill every sex worker that he employed for sex work. But one thing I will say in my obsession in researching deviance in this way is that if you, particularly back in this time period when it was so much easier to get away with things because we didn't have the forensics that we do now, mm-hmm. people like this, people with sociopathic tendencies, um, didn't leave witnesses. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely in the 60s and 70s, if you were employing sex workers, which it's not like sex work is heralded or respected. Now the sex workers don't get the respect they deserve, even in this day and age, 
but it was a much, much more taboo thing in the 60s and 70s. Totally. So it is, in my opinion, allegedly, it would be a lot easier for someone to employ a sex worker, rape them, dispose of them, and not get caught. I think that would have been something that would have been much easier to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hear you. That's a really good so, point. And I'm not saying he did that. I'm just saying that if I <laughs> were a sociopathic rapist, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, and I had gone to jail for intent to rape right. and I wanted to not go to jail for intent to rape again, that instead of breaking into respectable, quote unquote, women's houses and trying to rip their shirt off and rape them in their homes, I would pick up marginalized women who I felt I had a better chance mm. of being able to rape and dispose of without getting caught. That's all I'm going to say about that. Sure. Allegedly. sure. Right. Um, right. So, okay. So then we have David Andrew Spears. So he's declared missing in May of 1990 and his naked body is eventually found along us route 90. I'm sorry, route 19 in citrus County, Florida. He's been shot six times. Then Charles Edmund Karskaden, I think that's how that's pronounced, feel free to tell me if I fucked it up, was killed in May 1990. He was a part-time rodeo worker, uh, and his body is found in Pasco County, and he's been shot nine times. His body is badly decomposed when it's found, and he's been wrapped in an electrical blanket. Witnesses saw Eileen with his car, and she also pawned a gun that was identified as belonging to him. Peter Abraham Sims, age 65, was a retired merchant seaman. When he was killed in July 1990, and his car was found abandoned in Orange, Spring, Orange Springs, Florida. So, Ty and I and uh, Eileen were seen abandoning the car, and one of uh, her palm prints, Eileen's palm prints, was found on the interior of the door handle, but his body has never been found. I think that's the only one. I could be wrong, um, but I think that's the only one where she she confessed, but they did not charge her because they never found the body. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Troy Eugene Barres, age 50, sausage salesman from Ocala, Florida. Uh, July. That's a 30- thing. That's a job. I guess it was in 1980. A sausage salesman? Yeah. Oh, no. It can't be 1980. 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, sure. I mean, someone's got to sell it. This was fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's reported missing, and on August 4th of the same year, his body is found in a wooded area along State Road 19 in Marion County. He'd been shot twice. Okay. Charles Richards Dick Humphreys. Okay, this one's interesting. He's 56. Um, he was killed, we believe, on September 11th, 1990. He is a retired U.S. Air Force major and a former state child abuse investigator and a former police chief. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, His body is found on September 12th in Marion County, fully clothed. He's been shot six times in the head and torso. Oh, um, it's worth noting that a lot of these men were found in various states of undress, which is kind of how they put two and two together. They were probably looking for um, a sex worker. Mm -hmm. And that's only significant because at the time, well, even now, but particularly at the time, it was highly unusual to have a woman serial killer. Sure. And um, if they hadn't, if they had just found these men, dressed they probably would not have made that conclusion so okay so this guy was not dressed this guy was not undressed okay um so i don't know but she does she does claim that every single one of these men were employing her for sex work and that initially she claims they were trying to rape her so no matter what 
her claim is that he was using her as a sex worker. Okay. You know, police using sex workers, color me shocked. Um, yeah, I mean, wouldn't be mm, the first time. Right. So he's been shot six times in the head and torso, and his car is later found in Suwanee County, Florida. Sounds like a real place, right? Then the last one we have is Walter Geno, Geno Antonio, age 62. He's a trucker and a security guard. Sometimes he acted as a police reservist, 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 right? What is that? Uh, you know, like um, the reserve forces. Oh, 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 okay. You know, like we can call you on weekends kind of a thing. Yep, got it. On November 19th, 1990, his nearly naked body is found in a remote logging road in Dixie County. He's been shot four times. Five days later, his car is found in Brevard County. So all of this happens in about a year, which is pretty impressive. You know, even for a serial killer, that's that's fairly impressive. Uh, that's, you know, she kept busy. So, okay, so we're in 1990. Um, July 4th, 1990, Lee and Ty are seen a bit. That's what she goes by again. I already said that, right? Yep, you um, They're seen abandoning one of the victim's cars. This was Sim's car after they were involved in a car accident and they took off on foot, insisting they didn't need any help and live nearby, which everybody thinks is really fucking weird. Wait, I don't understand. What happened? So there's a car accident. They're having a car. So Lee and Ty are in a car. They hit. Yeah. And there's I don't think they hit another car. I don't think their car hits them. No, I think they like ran into a tree or something. Oh, okay. Something like that. Um, But it, it, it fucks the car. And people are like, okay, well, let us, you know, call the cops. Let us get you some medical help. They're like, no, we good. And they're like, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag, honey. Yeah, you know, they're like, we're fine. Bye. And they left. And people are like, um, yeah, I, I remember seeing this scene. Have you seen Monster? Yeah, but it's been so long. I, re- I don't know why I remember this scene. Charlize Theron was so fucking amazing in that movie. But I remember they, in the movie, at least, they depicted them taking off in the woods. And I feel like I read that somewhere. Okay. So witnesses, but, but the witnesses are like mm, calling the cops. So the witnesses call the cops and they describe them to the police and the cops realize the car belonged to a missing man. So they start a media blitz looking for these two missing women. There are fingerprints all over the car that are revealed to be Warnos's, and the police discovered more missing and murdered men's belongings, specifically Richard Mallory's pond in local pawn shops. And okay. because, um, I didn't know this, but when you when you uh, pawn something, you have to leave some kind of ID or a thumbprint. So Wernos had left a thumbprint. What? Really? Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that happened. That was a thing. So they start investigating her and they, they start having officers tail her. Meanwhile, Lee and Ty have broken up primarily because Ty is both afraid of Lee and and the trouble that she knows is like just on the horizon. Like right. Ty knows. She's like, know, we have, this is not going to go on for very much longer. Ty knows this is bad. Um, so by Ty's own report, she knew that Lee had killed Richard Mallory, but she made it a point not to know more about any other serious crimes Lee committed. One moment. There are children. Hey guys, cl- close the door, please. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Lies. Them. Yeah. Have you seen that meme where it's like, you don't you don't listen to Hamilton. Um, the, but the play the musical. Yeah, the musical. But there's this there's this scene where his wife is like telling him, look at where you are. Look at where you started. The fact that you're alive is amazing. And women took that created a meme where they're just like talking to their husbands. who are like, I can't find the ketchup. And they're like, fuck, dude. <laughs> look at where you are. Look at where you started. The fact that you're alive is amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is like uh, i've been married 10 years it's not incorrect um okay Jeez. michael anyway. michael we're recording a podcast god damn it <laughs> michael's Take like in my face fuck out man um okay we need shoes oh my god they're right i am in the shoe spot i'm doing this in the closet guys because this is where i have the best i don't know anyway it's so that it's so that it doesn't sound like you're in a fucking cave which it did which it you, did it's you my have fault. You, you're in well, the shoe we had, closet we had to redo the floors because jude peed on because the carpet peed so much on the carpet <laughs> on the carpets just like, really soaked that carpet up with piss. really did and you know it's the joys of discovering motherhood to boys we didn't have this issue with olivia um Anyway, all right, so uh, la 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 la. So they start investigating her. They're having officers tail her. Uh, that's right. Okay. Ty reports um, that she knew very little because she didn't want to know. Like she knew about Richard Mallory, and then Lee would start showing up with shit, and she's like, just don't tell me. So Lee shows up with an Can you imagine? Amount. Can we just, you can you imagine your fucking life partner just is like, you're like, I, I kind of think you're killing a bunch of people. <laughs> you're murdering dudes. I'm pretty sure you're out there murdering. Um, yeah, maybe I just like, what do you do? I mean, I would, I would leave. Uh, um, yeah. I but feel you, like I would also, leave. I mean, and this is the thing is if you're, if you have partnered up with someone who is like on a killing spree, you can't just leave. Partnered you know? up with someone who's on a killing spree. <laughs> what? I just, yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but I'm just, yeah, you're partnering up with someone who's on a killing spree. You know, so, like you can't yeah. just be like, you know what, babe, I think like I'm ready to move on. Like that person is not right in the head and you got to be very careful about your next move. Well, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what the like intellect level of either of these two women right. were. Yep. Um, but I, I do know that both of them I saw interviews with both of them and I don't know much about, about Ty's past. She barely had a better family than Wernos because she, which is not saying anything, not saying much at all, but she does eventually call her family and ask for, you know, like, can I come home? And they say, sure. Okay. And send her money. So, you know, um, so better is what I'm saying. Uh, but she did, she did have that aura about her of damage in some way. Sure. Oh yeah. 100%. So, I mean, you, you don't know what's going on in someone's mental state. And something like that. She was definitely afraid. Yeah. And I do know, as we said before, there were domestic incidents between the two of them. So, you know, who's to say why she did what she did, but she did notice when Lee would show up with like a new car yeah. or a lot of money. Um, and I, I remember reading one of the articles that like, at one point she showed up with a car and then she was watching, Ty was watching the news and saw the car on the news as oh, like, oh, this no. man is missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad fucking deal going on. Yeah. It's a red flag. I'm going to go you ahead gotta... and say that's a solid red flag. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, do. That is when you call your fucking mom and dad. Well, she didn't, <laughs> uh, she didn't, it was after the car accident, I think. So the car accident, which occurred while they were fighting was the last draw for Ty. She calls up her sister. She asks her for money to get home and then hightails it back to Ohio. So the police start tailing Lee. At this point, um, she is essentially unhoused. She has no home. She's brokenhearted. Ty, her lover, has left her. 
she is a sex worker with not much to her name besides this key that she carries at all time in this battered suitcase so she begins frequenting oh you're gonna find out oh shit okay yes she begins frequenting a biker bar that is aptly named the last resort oh (laughs) i know i swear to god sometimes i feel like the universe is a little on the nose that wasn't necessary was it (laughs) come on um so she's she's going to this biker bar a lot and unbeknownst to her she is tracked down there and befriended by two undercover police officers so they get friendly with her they buy her beer she actually spends her last night of freedom sleeping on a bench outside of the last resort uh and then the next day she's buddying up with what she doesn't realize are police officers they offer to get her hotel room and as she walks outside of the bar she is arrested Mm. but they don't arrest her for murder they pick her up for an outstanding warrant for possession of a concealed weapon and they take that that key that she has uh and oh wait this is in the wrong order they discover it belongs to a storage space where they find property of the missing and murdered men and that's that kind of seals her fate right there at that point they're they're absolutely convinced that she did something here so was she keeping it in order to sell it eventually or like why is she keeping that stuff that's a good question and when they did not ask her i never found any information about that most of the things that she kept she gave to ty is the truth um she it's reported that ty had a diamond ring that she'd stolen from one of the men uh as some kind of you know promise ring that lee had given her um clothes cars money anything like that she she generally gave it to ty so i don't know why she kept it except that it was all she had maybe that's why she kept it wow that's so sad so thanks to a tip from ty who the police have also tracked down the police are able to locate the 22 caliber gun that warnos used to kill mallory and this is helpful but it's circumstantial um they have the gun that ty led them to but warnos didn't lead them to it so they can't really connect it to warnos they can connect it to ty but not directly to warnos they have her fingerprints they have the stuff that she stole but you know she's an admitted sex worker she could easily just say that she stole that stuff um i'm certain that a savvy attorney could say that these were men who frequented sex workers they put themselves in dangerous positions i mean what were they wearing remy that's right, what i exactly. want to know yeah what were they yeah. wearing how much had they had to drink that's what i'd like to know were men put drunk? themselves in these dangerous positions and were they flaunting their trucks uh, that's they- what i that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying anyway um so it's not like Warnos killed every man who employed her so an argument could definitely be made that they had met a sex worker who killed them it just wasn't Warnos, mm-hmm. you know right uh that was that was something that they thought <laughs> so they i mean it felt to me like they had a lot of evidence but evidently it wasn't enough for them um it's not likely but it is possible that they could lose this case if they charged her is how they felt uh, and that and I, honestly i read that and i was like what huh? i don't get that but going back to 1990 there's not a lot of female murderers you know there's not a lot of female serial killers so maybe right. that was what they were thinking right i mean her arrests at this point are mostly theft and smaller assault charges there's nothing in the vein of murder so when it comes right down to it they wanted a confession and warnos is not obliging 
uh, you know, she she knows that she's under suspicion of murder. So she cops the possession charge and nothing else. She's going to do her time. She's sitting in jail. She's like, I got nothing to say to you. So the cops decided to emotionally manipulate. I'm sorry. Uh, arrange a series of phone calls with Ty, <laughs> uh, who manages to convince Warnos that the police were trying to hold her and her family accountable for these murders. And they persuade her to say on the phone that she would confess to the murders in order to save Ty from any kind of legal trouble. Have you heard those phone calls? No. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I don't think I can listen to it. I also, like, because Eileen sounds so happy to talk to her. Like, so thrilled. She says she loves her, you know, asks about her. And um, Ty uh, cries a lot and she threatens suicide. She says, oh you know, God. if Warnos doesn't confess, she's going to kill herself, which honestly, I was like, the legality of that feels really weird to me, but okay. Um, so they are heart-wrenching. And uh, Eileen does ask, she's like, is there anyone in the room with you? Is this being recorded? Like, she's not an idiot. Yeah. But Ty tells her over and over again that she's by herself. She's just really scared that the police are harassing her, that she feels that she's going to be arrested any day. And she eventually convinces Eileen to confess. And she does that same day so that's january 16th 1991 just a few hours after her last phone call with ty she goes into a room with detectives and her uh court appointed my computer changed it to a cult appointed a lawyer (laughs) 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 which is not too far from i mean you know sometimes Um, okay um that poor dude had the world's most frustrating job that day because he kept telling her to shut up and she's like, no, I'm just going to like, this is what happened. I'm going to say what it is. So she, she tells him that she killed these men, um, but that she did it in self-defense. And she says over and over again, Ty had nothing to do with it. Um, like I said, she asserted that each of the killings had been done in self-defense. Uh, and that's, that's a claim that she'll go back and forth on over the next decade. But it doesn't matter. The police don't believe her. And they completely dismiss those claims. And on January 17th. She is charged with the murder of Richard Mallory. Uh, And within a few weeks, she's charged with three more murders. And believe it or not, that's when things actually start to get weird. Um, So the media is outrageous around Bornos. I I don't know if she's the first female serial killer, but she was definitely, I I remember this. I remember uh, the, the publicity around it. And you have to remember the time. So 1991 is also the year that Anita Hill publicly accuses Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. It's the year that Thelma and Louise came out oh, and we're, wow. we're, yeah. So we're starting to have a national conversation about women, uh, women and, fighting and, back. Right. And women, um, women being sexually abused in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, maybe we don't like it. Like, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. But Thelma and Louise, you know, that started with a rape with a rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Wernos' story strikes a chord in our national psyche um, because to some, she represents what might happen when women start fighting back. Oh, so if she, women start to get pissed off about the fact yeah. that they're fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that oh. might have something to do with they're why like, they fought so hard against it, this like rape thing. Cause they're like, no, she didn't get raped. She's a psycho. I just want to take a minute for thousands of years. Women have been raped, but it's not until a woman, the idea of a woman actually killing a guy who's raping her that any any that that, that like the um patriarchal zeitgeist becomes concerned 
Well, I mean, there's so many. It's like when they're like, oh, it's what you're wearing. I'm like, weird, because women were wearing like fucking full on body stockings in 1950 and rape still happened. Like, let's get yeah. real. It, you know, like this isn't I just feel like whenever whenever women start to be like, hey, this is a thing we don't like and it's happening and we'd like it to stop, you know, that that the patriarchy, I'm not going to say dudes because there are good ones out there, but the patriarchal culture that we've structured is like, no, we got to tap that down. We, you know, you need to be okay with this. It's like, not though. <laughs> Actually yeah, not. They're like it's a, yeah. Meanwhile, you know, like uh, we, to this day have members of our government saying things like, well, if, a, if you get raped, just lay back and enjoy, enjoy it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the woman in Congress who was like, well, they have rape kits at uh at emergency rooms that can just clean you out if it's an actual rape i'm like what does that abortions? even mean well a rape kit a rape kit i know is, what a rape kit is but what yeah. does it mean that a rape kit will clean you out what are you fucking no, talking no about? no idea what she's describing is an abortion and she's very opposed to those so i don't know what she's talking about well a rape kit also just it doesn't it doesn't it has nothing to do with abortion absolutely not a goddamn thing not a goddamn thing. I don't, yeah, I don't understand what the, f- also, by the way, just so you know, honey, when you get raped, when a woman, when anyone, not even, not just a woman, when anyone gets raped, there's no quote unquote cleaning out. That's called years of grief and therapy and recovery. Okay. What she was referring to was like, this is, uh, this is why, I could, this was one of the things when people were like, hey, what if, you know, abortions are necessary for rapes. And she's like, nope, not necessary. They can get cleaned out at an emergency room. So if a rape occurs, a woman can't get pregnant. Remember, there was oh. also the dude who was like, women can just shut that shit down. Yeah. Well, you know, women can shut women it down. Have a during way the rape. Of just shutting it down. I was like, do tell. <laughs> tell me more about this way. I would love to hear about it. Yeah. It's called a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did find a way. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Eileen Wardos found a way. <laughs> Well, we effective. Don't know. We don't. If don't it know. was rape, Eileen Mortos found a very effective way. Right. Exactly. Um, allegedly. So, okay. In the midst of this, a woman named Arlene Prawl, who is a horse farmer in Levy County, Florida, with her husband, she sees uh, Eileen's plight play out in the media, and she decides that God wants her to befriend this person. So she ends up adopting Eileen Mortos. She's forty-four. Uh, Eileen is thirty-five, I believe, at this point. She ostensibly she does this only because. Uh, family members are the only ones who are allowed to see her in jail. Um, but the argument has been made pretty effectively that this was also a potential payday for Prawl. Um, Nick Broomfield uh, cheated two documentaries about Eileen Warnos, one in, I believe, 93. And that's that's the one I'm more familiar with. And it's called The Selling of a Serial Killer. Uh, and that was, watching that was uh, hard. So in this, you see him trying to interview, remember that, that thing I sent you about her lawyer, Stephen Glazer, that thing where you're like, what the fuck is this? Where he's like, this is the doll I made. I own two little hands. Video. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) That thing was creepy AF. Yeah. That, uh, that was Stephen Glazer, her attorney who was also, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so in well, this, he's, he's like obviously mentally ill and he plays with dolls or something. He's like bizarre. Yeah. He also is a guitar player and apparently that's his passion. Is he still alive? Uh, Do I need to say allegedly? I don't <laughs> I honestly <laughs> don't know. I think oh he might be. There is definitely, I researched this and there's definitely a Steven Glazer. Who's an attorney who's out there. And I looked at the picture and I was like, you could be him. Okay. So, allegedly, allegedly mentally ill. Yeah. 
I mean, remember, I mean, this feels like a long time ago, but it was, it was only 30 years ago. So, uh, and he didn't look that, that old. He could easily have been in his thirties and forties. Um, Arlene Prawl was 44. So she was, she's quite likely still alive. I couldn't find anything about her in terms of obituaries. So my guess is that she is, she kind of, she, it looks to be like, she purposely kind of went under the radar after all this. And I'm like, that was smart of you. Probably the only smart thing you did. Um, but so in this, in this documentary, the selling of a serial killer, these people, her attorney, Stephen Glazer and her mother, um, Arlene Prawl require payment for interviews about her, okay. about their interactions with Eileen. Okay. Um, the documentary, it, it's pretty bleak and it gives you an up close and personal view of what I think is fair to say, like the questionable methods of her attorney. Um, he didn't seem to have like both feet on the ground, if you know what I'm saying. Um, if I'm being, yeah, if I'm being perfectly honest, he, 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 there, it just looked like he didn't really know what he was doing. And it definitely looked like he didn't have her best interest at heart. Uh, he, oh yeah. The thing, he had a whole thing about in the documentary about, um, his childhood imagined friends, his childhood imaginary friends. Uh, and he showed up his guitar playing skills. Can you imagine? You're like, I hired a lawyer. I lawyered up. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna do this. And then you fucking talk to your lawyer, and he brings in a doll and his imaginary friend to your. <laughs> and you're like, oh. well, like Nick Broomfield is shooting this shit, and you can like, if you if you watch his documentaries, he has this very monotone. Like he reveals nothing really. Covert, get off the. That's <laughs> like, I want to be involved. I draw the line at imaginary friends. <laughs> it's like, absolutely not. Out of here. So this is Warnos' support team. And that's, you know, bad. Um, yeah. So she goes, to, it's, just, it's bad. That's it's bad. not great. So she goes to trial in January of 92. And she's pretty quickly found guilty of Mitch, Richard Mallory's murder. And that's where you get that outburst from her where she shouts, sons of bitches, I was raped. I hope you get raped, scumbags of America. Um, and that's probably what was in the jurors' minds when they sentenced her to death four days later. Mm, yeah um and it's it's it goes pretty quickly downhill after that uh in march she pleaded no contest to the murders of humphreys brass and spears and in june she pleads guilty to karskadon karskadon i i don't know uh her attorney didn't make much effort to get her to participate in her own defense and he states fairly frequently in nick broomfield's documentary that wernos has found god and that she wants to die and that he's just there to help her get what she wants I don't think that's what lawyers that's, are supposed to do. No. Um, no. But that did appear to be his goal. Um, so the one thing the fence did do during the Richard Mallory trial was to get, try to get the evidence of his sexual deviancy admitted, but the judge refused that. So, yeah, huge okay. shock. Yeah. So they did admit it. I remember reading that that was normally they don't allow evidence of like other pending charges um, to be introduced in a murder trial. But they did, but they would not allow the evidence of Richard Pryor's, Richard Pryor's, Richard Mallory's prior bad acts. Mm. So all I'm saying is that that seems um, a little uneven. Right. Uh, totally. That doesn't seem quite above board. So in February of 93, Wernos pleads guilty to the murder of Antonia and she gets herself another death sentence. Uh, there are never any charges for Sims because they never found his body. So in total, she was given six death sentences. Goddamn. 
In the impending years, she's fairly inconsistent with her stories about what happened during these killings. Her initial claim, of course, is that she was raped, and then she recanted that claim and insisted that it was all about robbery. And I saw that. That was also to Nick Broomfield, I believe. But I think that's in his second documentary, the one that came out, I believe, right after she died. But off camera, in that same interview with Nick Broomfield, she explains that it was self-defense. She just didn't want to be on death row for the next 30 years. She'd been in she'd been in prison for about 10 years at that point. She says she just wants to die. So we'll never know, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you watch the interviews with her and you can go to YouTube and actually there is more footage on her than I realized. Uh, there's actually kind of a lot. I was shocked, but all of it is upsetting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very clear that she is not mentally well. Yeah. And the fact that psychiatrists said that she, uh, she was evaluated when she was like, Here, well, all right, all right. So let's, let's talk a little about this. Um, so Warner scored a 32 out of 40 on the psychopathy checklist, which is pretty impressive in all the wrong ways. She's incarcerated at the Broward Correctional Institute before she's transferred to the Florida State Prison for execution. She's denied an appeal in 1996, and in 2001, she petitions the Florida Supreme Court to terminate legal proceedings and to dismiss her legal counsel. She states, and I quote, I killed those men, robbed them cold as ice, and I'd do it again too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I'm so sick of hearing this. She's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm the one who seriously hates human life, and I would kill again. So by this time, she has real lawyers, and they argue that she wasn't competent to make the request, but Wernos insists that they're wrong. She knows what's up, and the court-appointed psychologists agree with her, which, from the interviews I watched, I don't understand, um, but I don't know what the technical definition for sanity is in a legal term, like in a legal sense. I know it's not, I know it's not the same thing as like you and me, hey, normal, out there, functioning, having a good life, having a job, I guess, if that's a thing people want anymore juries out but like you know just a regular functioning life i know that legal sanity it's a different bar but even by that standard like you'd only have to watch a couple of the videos to really wonder what people were on to think she was okay yeah i remember years ago i watched an interview with her and i was like clearly not mentally well at all clearly clearly not okay um she's executed on october 9th 2002 and true to form her last words were yes I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all, I'll be back, I'll be back. She died at 9.47 a.m. Eastern time. She was the 10th woman in the United States and the second in Florida to be executed since 1976, which is when the United States Supreme Court decided to restore capital punishment. Was she electrocuted? I didn't, I didn't, it didn't say, I don't, so it's the, it was, 2002 so i'd be very it's florida so i wouldn't think that's florida but my my guess is that she was lethal injection lethal injection wow great job q okay so let's fucking get into the stars again we don't have birth times which means we don't have houses womp womp but eileen's chart is still loud and proud baby so let's dig in the first thing you notice with eileen's chart is that she has four retrogrades going on Uranus, Jupiter, Pluto, and Neptune. So that's bad. (laughs) Well, no. Okay. So retrogrades are common and some of them last for like four to five months. So it's not 
necessarily rare to see that in a person's chart, but interestingly, these four planets play a huge role in her chart. And when you see a bunch of planets in retrograde, it denotes a kind of like struggle to find your footing. Like there are setbacks or blockages in finding your path. So sometimes if you see that in someone's chart, it just kind of means like, oh, like you, you're not someone who's like a child, you know, prodigy violinist, and that's your path. And you know, from the time you're nine years old, there'll, there'll be some like winding around, but, um, because of the rest of her chart, that's, that's not not really exactly what this means. Not where that was leading. <laughs> not, not quite. So, okay. And the other, okay. The other thing that's so fucking wild about this is that it's echoed in another thing that stands out in her chart. She has sun square her North and South nodes. So do you know what North and South nodes are? Do we know what this no. is? Tell me. So your North node kind of, well, there are different ways of talking about it. And some are a little more this, like ethereal than others, but North node is North node is like, this is where, what you're supposed to accomplish in this lifetime. This is where you're supposed to go. South node is sort of like, this is what you've already accomplished in past lifetimes. And sometimes it's like, this is what you're giving up, um, in this lifetime, or this is what you are, um, letting go of because you've already been there. So, but she, her son is square to her North and South node. So one thing that does is it sets a person up to have big issues with their father because the son can, um, can be a representation of the father. And that's interesting because that comes up again later in her chart. And although, you know, she didn't really know her father, he was a total, like, well, I was going to say he, he was extremely mentally ill and yeah, they definitely share that. Yeah. And he raped a seven-year-old. So let's just fucking be honest. So yeah, there's that. Um, okay. And also her grandfather, you know, uh, another, he was a pedophile. He allegedly raped and sexually abused her and then kicked her out of the house when she was 15, mm -hmm. um, potentially because his friend raped her and got her pregnant. So yeah, mm -hmm. essentially two dads who are not great, you know, <laughs> you know, not say great. Least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this son square, the North and South nodes points to issues with fathers that must be resolved in order for growth to happen. And of course they're not resolved in her lifetime and she can't get past it. And it also points to this, like we talked about before with the retrogrades, this thwarting of life goals, like just not being able to accomplish what her, um, what she wants to accomplish and what she's meant to accomplish. So there, there's this double whammy of just not being able to get on the right path in her chart. Okay. So let's dive into this chart. First of all, she's got sun sextal Lilith. Lilith in astrology represents repressed femininity and contains the darkness of the feminine primitive impulses and repressed sexuality. And what does the sun do? It shines light on things. So she's going to bring all of those Lilith traits, repressed slash taboo sexuality, the dark feminine, et cetera, into the spotlight and into her conscious will and ego. Now, again, there are super healthy ways to do that. So if you see that in someone's chart, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that they're going to be a serial killer. I'm going to need a list of those healthy ways. So, <laughs> but you feel know, free to email me. Um, okay. By the way, I think you're like 
maybe pull, I don't know if your mic is like super close. No, I had to unplug it because I have to plug my computer in. Oh, you had to. Okay. So maybe back up a little bit then. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so where was I? Okay. Right. So right. There's, there are healthy ways to do it, but being forced to become a sex worker at 11 years old is really not setting you up for fucking like channeling healthy way to deal with things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one big thing. The next, okay. She has moon and Libra. So Libra is a really interesting sign. It's a sign of balance. A lot of people think that Libra energy is about moderation or sort of like being in the middle of the road, but you can be at extreme opposites and still be balanced. If you're at a 100 on one end and a negative 100 on the other, you still come right back to zero. And I think that's what we see with Eileen in her intense love of and affection for time more on one hand and that violence and volatility and destruction on the other. The other thing about Libra is that it rules relationships. And I, I, I know this because I have a moon in Libra. There's this deep desire to connect one-on-one when you have this placement. Libra is ruled by Venus and Venus loves love, needs affection, and like seeks out connection and partnership. But Eileen's moon in Libra. Okay. And this, remember I talked about Neptune as one of the planets in retrograde. So now we're going to get into it. Eileen's moon in Libra is conjunct Neptune. And I know we talked about this last time. Do we remember mm-hmm. what a conjunction is? Um, yeah. So the conjunction is the connection is, is the one that looks like 90 degrees. Nope. That's a square. So a conjunction is when they're right on top of each other. This is the dry oh, right. thing. Right. Okay. Oh yes. Right. Right. Yes. Noted. Um, okay. So, um, this is big, right? This makes a person extremely emotionally sensitive and she's already going to be super sensitive because she's a Pisces, which incidentally is the sign that Neptune rules. So people with moon conjunct Neptune, right? So like your moon and your Neptune are like either right on top of each other, or like right next to each other. They feel deeply but they can also become confused emotionally or prone to fantasies. This is what Neptune does in its darkness. It makes up, down, and down, up. It's like you're in the ocean, you're drowning. Neptune is, as we know, the god of the sea and the moon rules emotions. So when they're conjunct, Neptune is just like dangling his wet ass seaweed covered ball sack all over your moon, just like teabagging your emotions, you know? So you could easily feel like you're drowning emotionally with that aspect. Another angle of this, as we know from the last episode, is that Neptune lends itself to illusion and deception, either either receiving it or dishing it or both. Right. So it's not just that, like it's, it's, you are vulnerable to deception and you are also prone to, um, being deceptive yourself. Okay. So then get this. What is sitting opposite that moon Neptune conjunction fucking Venus in Aries. So this is a big fucking deal. Her Venus is in Aries. Yes. Her Venus is an Aries girl. So we know Venus oversees love, sex, beauty, relationships, feminine energy, right? That's Venus. Aries is ruled by Mars who controls action, assertion, lust, violence, and the masculine. So Venus is in its detriment in Aries or anyway, that's what traditional astrology tells us. And that means Venus often feels like it can't be at peace here. 
and that there's something about its natural expression that the person in question has to hide from the world, usually because it's not socially acceptable or like there's a shame element somehow. So what happens when Venus in Aries opposes Neptune conjunct moon in Libra? First of all, you have Aries, God of war, sign of the individual, the one Aries motto is me pushing up against Libra, the sign of peace and of the two, the partners Libra's motto is us. So you have me against us. So you could apply that to Eileen's relationship to Ty in two ways. Actually, this tension between what Eileen wanted or was doing and the way that worked against her relationship to Ty and vice versa, who Ty would eventually like go rogue and, and sell Eileen out and break Eileen's heart. Right. And that same dynamic could apply to Eileen's sex work because Venus who controls affection and sex is in Aries who's prone to violence and is about me. It's butting heads with Libra through this opposition, the sign of the two as in Eileen and her sex work client. Mm -hmm. So that violent sexuality that you could see with Venus and Aries is coming at the coupling guns blazing, so to speak, but also literally, but also not so to speak. Right. Yeah. Right. The next thing, so fucking get this, is that Venus opposite Neptune and Venus opposite the moon, right? Because, okay, let's just think about this. We have Venus over here in Aries and right directly across, we have Neptune um, and the moon, like right next to each other, right? So that means that Venus is opposing the moon and Venus is also opposing Neptune, right? Because they're conjunct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So both these aspects, right? Both Venus opposite Neptune and Venus opposite the moon, both of them make people so sensitive when it comes to issues surrounding sex, love, and affection that they overreact. They become easily, um, like too easily offended. And because we have, I mean, which is an understatement, you know, if we're talking about any more notes, but because we have Venus and Aries, God of war, violence then erupts. So there's this overreaction around love and sex that mm-hmm. results in violence. I mean, that's basically her story, right? It's literally her story. And then beyond that Venus opposite Neptune causes big problems with self-esteem, affection, and romance. And Venus opposite moon can sometimes cause people to be too sexually active to a point that isn't healthy. So to me, this aspect is a massive piece to this puzzle, both in terms of her like delusionally committed heart on her sleeve relationship to time more. And in terms of having a hairline trigger around sex that might cause her to potentially overreact to a sexual situation, a sexual coupling, uh, in Libra terms, uh, with violence, but then get this girl, her moon conjunct Neptune is also square to mother fucking Uranus. So all that emotional confusion that's already in hard angle to Venus and Aries is now also in hard angle to Uranus, the planet of hairline triggers, knee jerk reactions out of nowhere changes. So we're literally tripling up here on this frenetic energy around deep, confusing emotions, relationships, and sex. But wait, there's more. Girl, because you know, Pluto's trying to get up in there. Eileen has Pluto conjunct Jupiter. Okay. Okay. But also 
TO side note, you know, who else has Pluto conjunct Jupiter is Tom York lead singer of Radiohead. And I know that because I looked up his chart to see if maybe we should get married. And I found out that yes, we should, should get married, married mm-hmm, because he has, uh, he has Pluto conjunct Jupiter and I have moon conjunct Jupiter, but also a lot of our, uh, charts line up. But anyway, that's for another future podcast. That I will call all the reasons astrological and otherwise I should marry I should Tom York. Yeah. Marry musical genius, Tom York. That's the working title. Okay. Anyway, Eileen Pluto conjunct Jupiter. What's that all about? You ask? Well, I'll tell you. And we talked about this a lot in the Martha Moxley episode, Jupiter increases whatever energy it's around. It's the go big or go home planet. So in right. this case, it's next to Pluto. It's dry humping Pluto, whose positive aspects are power, wealth, fame. And by some accounts, Eileen wanted to be famous and had these grandiose Bonnie and Clyde fantasies about her and Ty. And by the way, Eileen definitely did get famous and that's in her chart. She She, had a a whole fucking movie made about her and was played by Charlize Theron, you know? Well, in the, it's interesting to know, I didn't talk about this too much, uh, mostly because it was upsetting, but also because I was like, honestly, the story could go on forever. Um, so she, when she was arrested, was very interested in selling her story. And because of the son of Sam law that each state has adopted, you can't capitalize financially on a murder you've committed, Mm. but the cops can, and they tried. Uh, and that became a big thing because the cops were like, while they were, I mean, like they arrested her and then they were like calling movie moguls and trying to make deals um to sell their stories which is like i don't know if it's illegal it's morally gray to say the least my god it's so gross you fucking kidding me gross yeah curious because she wanted to sell her story and she couldn't and you know she probably wanted to sell it to give the money to ty she probably did i don't know if that's true but i mean what was she gonna do with it you know and she was so hopelessly in love anyway. Okay. For everything else, including her freedom. Right. But the show. Okay. So that's like best case scenario, you know, Jupiter, Jupiter conjunct Pluto. It's going to help you get famous, which, you know, in the case of my boyfriend, Tom York, that is exactly what happened. But, um, Pluto also has these really dark sides, right? So the shadow sides of Pluto are death, obsession, seething rage, violence, taboo sexuality, betrayal, and deeply painful emotions. So Jupiter's just over here humping Pluto's leg and being like, mm, baby, I want to see those cells multiply. Two becomes four, four becomes eight, 16, 32. Let's do this. Like, so that like Jupiter just being there, just like kind of like, oxygenating the fire. That's a huge part of this. And then that conjunction, that Jupiter Pluto conjunction is fucking square to Saturn. So for one thing, that means problems with your father, particularly <laughs> as regards trauma and sexuality. Okay. Cause that's Pluto's dark side. Saturn oversees the father in traditional astrology. Pluto oversees trauma, sexuality. As we discussed, the dads in her life were straight out of life's absolute fucking worst case scenario handbook. But that Saturn square can also mean problems with the law, with prisons and with jails, because both Saturn and Pluto oversee prisons. And oh, Saturn- that's specific. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yes, because um, Pluto. OK, so. Yeah, Pluto like sort of will oversee like 
shadow stuff. This is also something that Neptune does. Neptune, the, people don't really talk about it, but the 12th house, which is the house that Pisces rules, Neptune is a planet that uh, oversees Pisces. The 12th house is a house of hidden things. So prisons fall into prisons and like hospice convalescent homes, places where you're sort of hidden away fall into the 12th house, which is uh, Pisces, which is her sun sign. And we have this Neptune um, moon conjunction, but also Pluto, because when you're, when you're talking about um, violence and you know, violent sexuality. These are all things that land you in prison, right? But Saturn also rules prison and the law because Saturn is about order and, and authority. So um, when you have Pluto and Saturn together, there's like you're, there's like the, the violence and then the law, right? The- um, It's like the flip side. Right. There's like the two sides of the same coin. Right. The opposing sides. I'm noticing a lot of that in astrology that like every time you've got one thing, you're going to have the opposition coming right. at you in some that's way. Yep. That's exactly right. So, okay. So where was I? Okay. Yeah. Another thing this does natal Saturn square Pluto is establish this distrust of the world that might lead to like a pattern of disappointments. And that can create this like victimhood in a person where a person becomes obsessed with the idea that they're a victim to larger oppressive social forces in their life when actually they're their own source of problems. And as we talked about last week, and we'll probably mention again in the future, you might feel like going on a murder spree, but just like, don't. Don't. Yeah. Just I feel like we talk about that a lot in general. Like we read these things and we're like, we get the inclination, but maybe instead not. Yeah. Just like whatever it takes to not do that, you know, but, um, yeah. So, so that's Eileen. Okay. So that's Eileen's chart. Let's talk about Richard Mallory for a minute. So one theory that lots of people have is that Richard Mallory actually did enact violence against Eileen and that that set her off on this killing spree because she was so traumatized by what he did and that it was essentially the straw that broke the camel's back. We kind of mentioned that earlier. And by the way, that camel was struggling to begin with, you know, I'm sorry, you're a child sex worker being raped by your grandpa. Like this camel, it's a rough origin story. Yeah. You know, it's like fucking skeletal, this camel anyway, like where, okay. So here, okay. So let's talk about Richard Mallory. When I look at his actual chart, nothing really stands out to me as being a big fat red flag, but there are some really interesting things that come up when you look at his astrology next to the astrology of the day that he died, that he was shot by Eileen. The biggest one, um, is that transiting Pluto was exactly opposite his natal Uranus on that day. Are you following me? Yes. Okay. So where, um, where Pluto was in the sky on that day, November 30th, 1989, I think was the day, whatever day it was, it landed directly, exactly. And, and by the way, I want to clarify for people who aren't familiar with astrology, when you have an aspect, an opposition, a square, a trine, whatever, most astrologers will give you like a five degree leniency. So like five degrees plus or minus either way. So anywhere within that window counts for the aspect. The, okay. the closer you are to being exact, which means you're zero degrees off, um, the stronger it is 
on this day, it was exact. Okay. So it wasn't three degrees off, four degrees off. It was exact, exact his natal Uranus. Okay. Pluto rules death. Uranus rules quick, unpredictable changes. So that energy is fucking sudden death energy, like literally, but beyond that, this transit where Pluto just basically rolls up directly opposite your Uranus and there's a spit dart in its face. What it does is it subjects you to intense forces that are beyond your control. So the question is, was Eileen victim to these destructive forces in Richard Mallory that he couldn't control within himself? Mm-hmm. Or was he subject to the uncontrollable destructive force that was Eileen Warnos? Or was it both? Or, right, exactly. Another clue that we have is that on this day, transit Neptune was exactly opposite Richard's natal Chiron. So Chiron in astrology represents the wounded healer. Chiron fucks with trauma big time, loves it, is all about it. And is usually about healing it. But when you have um, a hard angle to it, that's not necessarily the case. So when these two planets are opposite like that, it leads you to trauma and also this desire to escape reality um, and this like propensity for delusional thinking, right? Because again, we're dealing with Neptune, who is about illusion and deception. And so it also creates, honestly, this con artist energy. But again, is he victim to the con? Or does he make someone else the victim or anyway, mm-hmm. attempt to also on this day, Richard's natal Uranus in Taurus was opposite transit Mars in Scorpio. First of all, Mars and Scorpio can all, it can be really wonderful for like in certain ways, but it can also be fucking, it can be fucked because it's basically Aries energy. That's Mars with yeah. Scorpio energy, right? That's Pluto. So just There's a lot of violence and a lot of, yeah. It's like, it's like violence on violence on violence. Just like, yeah. So, but when Mars and Scorpio is in opposition to Uranus, the planet of shocks and quick changes, you're prone to act rashly or to take action without considering the consequences. It also makes you take sexual risks because that's Mars anyway, lust. But when it's in Scorpio who rules the genitals, that is like, Scorpio rules the genitals. Scorpio rules the genitals. Yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're talking like violent, sexual, unpredictable energy. So we don't have straight up answers with this astrology. And I think solid arguments can be made both ways on this. But when I look at these charts, I'm not surprised at all that he died on this day, nor am I shocked at how he died. It all lines up. However, if anyone wants to make an argument around the, an argument around this, I would love to hear people's opinions. Hit us up on sign of the crime podcast at gmail.com. I would really be fascinated to hear what y'all think. Okay. Now I'm going to look at Ty a little bit. Ty has something we talked about last week, Pluto opposite Jupiter. Again, Jupiter in hard angle can lead to excesses of things too much of something. In this case, it's too much Pluto. Maybe too much death, dark emotions, maybe obsession. The other part of this is that Pluto opposite Jupiter can make you famous, but it may not always be the thing you want to be famous for, you know, like dating a serial for this, <laughs> like pretty good example of something you don't want to be famous for. I mean, I guess maybe some people do, but generally speaking, not hot. So that's one not it, girl, not it. That's not the move. 
Okay. That's, that's like one big red flag. Ty also has like 5,000 Neptune squares. Like what? Like Neptune's just out there fucking up everything in her chart. She has Neptune square to her son, her Mercury and her Saturn. So this means all of Neptune, Neptune's dark shit is just out there fucking with all these planets. We're talking about issues of deception, illusion, fantasy, confusion, feeling lost. All of those issues are creating problems in her actual will, her identity, her ego. That's the sun, the way that she thinks and communicates that's mercury, which by the way, another word for mercury square Neptune is just lying or manipulation, (laughs) you know, should have known that when I was dating. uh Yeah. Ladies get their charts. Yeah. Look at that shit first, honey. And her Saturn is like the last one, which is like Saturn is how she creates structure and foundations in her life. And also, as we talked about before her relationship with the police and with jail. So Uh you could look at these, you could look at this two ways. One, she's the victim to all these things, or she's the perpetrator of these things. But the truth is probably closer to a combination of the two. What we know for a fact is that she fully lied to Eileen Warnos and actively deceived her in order to get out of having her own issues with the police. Although she was also probably like in this whole relationship with Eileen, kind of getting swept up in a fantasy world that she had nothing to do with in the first place. And I say that because one thing I think you can see a lot with Neptune square Mercury is, okay, wait, some background. Mercury rules the mind, not just how you communicate, but also how you think, how your mind works. So that sense of not knowing up from down that we talked about in the beginning that you see a lot with hard Neptune angles, that confusion and lack of clarity is controlling her mind. And that can mean becoming confused or easily manipulated. So I think there's a real argument to be made, you know, that, um, she, she was just, she wasn't in on any of this. And I think like, I think that's generally how people feel that she was just going along for Eileen's wild ass ride until she realized she was about to get fucked with a dildo shaped like lady prison. So she just pulled some fucking backdoor ass behavior to get herself out of it. And honestly, I think I, it, no, I mean, I get it. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't blame her. It's just a massive tragedy. You know? I don't know that I'd go that far. I'm a Capricorn with a Taurus rising and we don't snitch like stitches, snitches, wait, other way around. Snitches get stitches. That's the one. <laughs> wait, what did you say first? I think I said stitches get snitches. That is incorrect. Yeah. I don't well, actually that's, that's not that incorrect. I, they belong together is what I'm saying. Okay. Stitches and snitches are holding hands, but I remember she is the one who told them where they could find the gun that she used to commit these murders that I, I told, told them. Told, no, Ty told them where yeah. Eileen, uh, where Eileen had left the gun. And I, and I don't mean left it like, oops. I mean, like uh, we're getting rid of this shit. Like Eileen had, I think it was, it was in one of the articles I read and they like talked about how it was plucked from the muddy waters. It was very poetic, but like she tried to get rid of it. And, and um, Ty told them where to find it without mm-hmm. that. There is a solid possibility none of this, the Eileen Warno story as we know it would have happened. Mm. Oh, that's that, fascinating. Okay. The gun was kind of a big deal. Okay. Well, okay. Another thing I see in her chart is that Saturn is just hating on all her shit too, right? Saturn is opposing all the other things that Neptune is squaring. So opposing her Mercury, opposing her son. So again, Saturn is the police. 
It's restriction. It's all about systems of authority and law. So you have these systems um, opposing and, uh, and applying all this pressure to, again, her entire identity, the sun, i.e. you are a criminal, and her communication, Mercury, i.e. you need to have some recorded convos with your friend Eileen if you don't want to wear orange for the rest of your life. But get this. Remember how Michael Skakel had a T-square in his chart? Yes. That showed this massive struggle he was going to have and yeah. that he would eventually get out of it. Yeah. The, I remember talking about the dark and the light, like he'd get out and this something about like he would, there was this big thing where he'd become famous and then he'd kind of get away with it in the dark. Yeah, girl. Well, guess what? Ty has that shit too, girl. She has a fucking T-square. Uh... All the things I just talked about with Neptune and Saturn. They're all part of a T-square with Neptune at the top and an opposition between her sun and Mercury on one end and Saturn on the other. So what does that mean? You have your entire identity, the sun, and your methods of communication, Mercury, being opposed by Saturn, the cops, the prison system. And the only way out, the way to success is Neptune, the planet at the top of the T-square, the planet of deception and illusion. And that's exactly what happened. Ty was being pressured by the cops who were threatening her entire identity with the possibility of either being a criminal or not. And she used deceptive, deceptive communication, AKA lies to get Eileen to say what needed to be said to get Ty off the hook. And another thing I think is so interesting is that she has Neptune in Scorpio, the sign of death, destruction, and rebirth ruled by Pluto. You just can't escape that Pluto energy, dude. It's so real. So that's, that's what I got. That's Ty. Yeah. Ty's always been a divisive figure for me here because, um, I mean, I, I get it. I get wanting nothing to do with this situation. Like you reach a point where you're like, I'm out, I'm done. But I just keep thinking back to like, like, I know the cops showed up and are like, you know, we know this is bad. Like we know something's going on. Did she, did she have to tell him about the gun? Like, did she have to? Like, I don't know. I wonder about that. Like, because morally speaking, there are a lot of people who'd say that was the right thing to do. You know, she told the cops what she knew. It's the right thing to do. I get that argument. I understand that. But then there's the part of me that's like, I'm wondering if I could do that to someone I loved. I know. It's... What I... I wonder if she loved her. Right. That's another thing. But also, like, Eileen Warnos, I... I don't know. This is all conjecture, speculation. We don't fucking know. But Eileen Warnos, as you can tell from those videos, was fucking terrifying, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And um, I think yeah. there was a very big part of Ty who got swept up in this whole fantasy thing, which she was so prone to because of the Neptune in her chart and the Neptune fucking um, Mercury uh, relationship that she has in her chart. Um. And how fucked that was. And it's basically, it's like you get Neptune is a, can make you be, become like filled with, um, it's like, you know, that, that fucking, um, Fleetwood Mac song, tell, tell me lies, tell, tell me, me lies, lies, tell me sweet little lies. That, yes, that's Neptune. Neptune is the one who does that. And Neptune is the one who makes you believe them, makes you believe the lies. So because she has this, um, Neptune, moon or mercury 
um, square, I believe it was, that is just like fucking her brain up. So like she gets all carried away with this idea that someone really loves her and, uh, and is kind of looking the other way when she comes home, when she's just like, Oh, this, um, this bloody, uh, pair of pants with like a big, uh, gunshot through the crotch. Yeah. Um, don't found them, found them. Like, don't, don't ask, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. They were just on the side of the road. Like, well, by all accounts, uh, and and this is something even I think Ty owned up to is that Eileen took care of her. Right. I didn't, I didn't work. Right. Um, she supported her and Eileen was, she didn't say this, but you could, it, this was how it felt to me when I watched her talk about it. She was very proud of the fact that she supported Ty through her earnings as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And she was willing. I mean, she didn't, she didn't seem to enjoy sex work. You know, it wasn't a thing that she was excited about or proud about, but it was something what she was proud of was that she could take care of this person that she loved. Yeah. And she was willing to do that in order to do it. And she talks in one interview about how she was like, I made pretty good money. You know, I took ter- care of Ty and I made pretty good money. I made, you know, on a bad day, 150 on a good day, I could make three to $500 and I could take care of my woman. And I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I get it. Also, that's what she had been doing since she was 11, you know, yeah. like it was what she knew. It was the devil she, she knew, knew how to do. And also she'd been, um, sexually abused at such a young age. It was just like, this is what I have to offer. I mean, I don't, I don't think there are any easy answers here. I think it's so tragic and awful. And, um, but what I will say astrologically is that it's not a surprise. None of it is a surprise when you look at these charts. Well, looking at her life, right. That's other things, (laughs) but I mean, even her life isn't a surprise looking at this chart. There was a story and it was, this one broke my heart. They were talking about how when she was a kid, um, she would throw parties at the house when no one was there. And um, she would perform sex work essentially for money or for like liquor in order to throw a party. And she was really excited about this one she was doing because she was like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have this party and people are going to come to my house. I'm going to have friends. And I am. And they threw her out of the house. They locked her out of her own house. All these guys came over. These people came (gasps) over. What? The people at the fucking party locked her out of her own house? Yeah. Threw her in the snow and locked her out of her own house while they partied uh, using all of the like drugs and liquor that she had bought with money that she earned selling her body. Oh my God. Yeah. And one of the psychiatrists, I remember reading the quote that was just like, I just wish we could have gotten to her when she was 12. Like if we could have gotten to her when she was 12 we wouldn't oh. be telling the story right now. Oh my and it God. makes you wonder too, because I mean, I have a friend who's a social worker and she's drowning, you know, yeah. she's drowning every day. And uh, I have another friend who works, um, she, she works at a nonprofit dealing with homelessness in Los Angeles and she's drowning. You know, I mean, every day she's, there's more. I remember one of my friends telling me, she's like, I get up and I go to work every day knowing that I'm going to do everything I can do and it won't be enough. It will never be enough. I could go in every single day till I died. And the day I died, they'll have 10 more things waiting for me to do while I die at my desk. <laughs> like what it comes down to. And it's like, I mean, you know, yeah, it's people are slipping through the cracks and they they're doing it now, much less, you know, back in the seventies, like, Jesus yeah. Christ, like that. Well, it makes me think of that Saturn 
uh, natal Saturn square Pluto that she has that like creates this distrust of the world, you know, um, because like you have just over and over and over again, these heartbreaks and these disappointments that make you feel like a victim and you become obsessed with the idea, um, that you're a victim to, to life. And the truth, the truth is that like, that's true on the one hand, it's totally true. <laughs> and on the other hand, the only way she that, laughs, if she doesn't cry. Right. But the, but the only way to get to the other side of that is to start taking ownership of your life and to start saying, I'm actually going to take counter action. I'm going gonna- to, right instead of calling myself a vic- uh, an ever victim, I'm going to, um, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to, um, I'm going to work at some corporation that will pay for me to go to night school or whatever, you know, I'm going to find a different path. I'm not going to keep doing the same things that don't work. And yeah, I just think like she, with all of those yeah. reads in her chart and on top of it, the, um, sun square North node, she just couldn't get her footing. She just couldn't ever fucking get, she couldn't turn things around. She just couldn't do well, it. Well, and you saw it in her life there. I mean, there was, there just wasn't a chance. Yeah. She was just born into a situation. Well, sometimes you have to make the chance, but yeah. Like when you're so fucking browbeaten by yeah. life. I, I would, I would say this. I don't know where I'd find that chance. Like when I read the story right, and okay. I saw the, and I saw like the picture in the society pages where she looks like this, you know, lovely blonde. She's wearing like a sweater. The guy's standing next. <laughs> I mean, she's wearing a sweater. I mean, she's wearing like one of those J. Crew type things. You know, like the okay. she just she looked like a young woman getting married to a guy who was too old for her. Like even then, you're like, is that her dad? And it's definitely not. But like whatever, you know. I mean, this is one of those situations where it'd be like, go and God bless. Like that, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care that he's seventy and literally fifty years older than you. It's fine. And I remember looking at it and being like, that was the chance. Like that, that was, was the shot. That was it. And that was the ticket out baby. And, and she just yeah. didn't know how she, she, well, just she was also never, she never learned she, the ticket out is therapy. You know, it's not a relationship. Oh, well, you can't convince people to do it now, much less then. Jesus yeah. Christ. Everybody go to therapy. <sighs> Honestly, yeah, invest that's the money. The therapy. Invest. Do it yeah you need therapy to. i don't care you who know you what are. not you nike therapy just do it <laughs> everyone i've ever dated and i know you're out there listen to me therapy you need therapy honey <laughs> you need therapy i know i know all of you you all dated me that's how i know you need therapy go out and get some today <laughs> cheap at twice the price Okay. Well, with that PSA, so you can find us on Spotify. Now, officially you can find us on anchor and you can find us. I think at this, by the time this comes out, you'll be able to find us on Apple podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. Woo. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, and please don't comment on my internet. I'm fucking working on it. I live in the middle of nowhere. You have no idea how many conversations I've had with AT&T. And if you have AT&T, if you have AT&T, then you know what I'm talking about. Honestly, oh my God. I feel the like most, those people, the most hilarious was thing is that as you were saying that you cut out is <laughs> <laughs> like, we heard what you're saying about us. <laughs> you verse sucks. I'm just going to say it. All right. It's the best they have to offer also, out here. And we Please know sponsor us. You verse. <laughs> we know this too. Q needs a new mic. We're working. On yeah. It. We know this too. Her. This is our first time guys. We're just sort of working through the kinks. Yeah. 
I'm literally sitting in my shoe closet right now. I need to take a picture of you. Actually, I'm going to do this right <laughs> no, now. No, you're not taking a picture of me. This no. is hilarious. No, yeah. I will close this thing. <laughs> wait, wait, where did you go? Come back. That's right. God damn it. Y'all have been trying to take pictures of me since 19, none of your business, but a long ass time. <laughs> it's hilarious though, because you're like, you can't even see you. There's just like a little nose coming out of the darkness of the fucking shadows of this closet. But honestly, like how many pictures of me from my adolescence are of me with a hand in front of my face? <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is very on brand, I feel. Yeah. Um, I'm going to need you to move your hand, though, is what I'm saying so that I can get this picture. Anyway, uh, I'm going to need you to fuck all the way off. <laughs> um, do we know who we're doing next time? We don't know yet, do we? Are we doing Kurt Cobain? Oh, my God. OK. Another one we need to do is Charles Manson. Oh yeah, but I need some time to um I need some time to prepare and research that. That's going to be a long one. Have you do you know who Amy Carlson? I think that's her last name is. No. I'm watching a date light on it right now, but I've been looking into it for a minute. She's mother god. Look into it. You'll mm-hmm. have yourself a time. Um okay. she she said she was god. Wow, okay. God. So walking so around she's, on earth. She's like the female Charles Manson. Well, kind of except she died. Oh. Um and and then her body was kept in like a house and the people came to worship her and it got oh, creepy and weird. What? Ew, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and the guy, the guy whose house was like came home and he's like, the fuck? <laughs> what? He comes yeah, home. If, I will tell you the whole we'll do this one. We'll do this one. We have like a list and this one isn't on it, oh, but I was yeah, I, oh yeah, I think we are doing Kurt Cobain. After. Yeah, we are I think we're doing yeah. Kurt Cobain next. Um Okay. Okay, so and, Courtney Love, you're listening to this allegedly. <laughs> a lot of allegedly. There's gonna be a lot of that with Courtney Love involved. Yeah, a lot of that. Um, okay. All right. All right. Um, oh, we also like laughed so hard last time because we realized that we signed off by telling each other that we love each other. <laughs> but we do love each other. And fa- each you other. know what? I talked about it with uh, a friend of mine and she was like, so what? She was like, you do love each other. What's the problem? Like, I think she was like, that's actually kind of great. Like, okay, I love you. Bye. She's like, like, if I was on the phone, we're like, hey, love you. But that is kind of what it's like. And she was like, if I was listening to that podcast, she's like, I would go, okay, I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should just sign up. Maybe we should just do that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, and also feel free to um, shoot us an email, signofthecrimepodcast at gmail.com. And until then, don't murder anybody. Please don't murder anybody. God's sake. I get why you want to, but don't. But don't do it. Yeah. Love you too. Love you too. Bye. Bye.